Welcome to the podcast. Know. Today we are talking about 1960s Marvel Comics. I am joined by Joey and Bo. It's your boy Brady, and we're going to be talking about the number one comic. And I think that's how we're going to start, is to go through each of the comics, talk about them in detail, do a brief uh, discussion on it, and then we're going to open it up to a few more topics uh, before we cut the podcast. So let's start the discussion. Let's so, do it. Let's talk, let's talk long run, though. Obviously, the, the goal here is to follow the podcast and the, uh, the, the news posted up by Comic Book Herald of the My Marvelous Year. We're going to bust out all of the most essential comics of Marvel in one year. That's a lot we're, of readings. We're going to learn all the stories, guys. We're on, all we're on of week them. one. When all did you guys finish the reading that was assigned for this week? I finished mine on on Saturday morning. Um, I had I had read three as of Friday night, though, so I pretty much read all of them Friday night and Saturday morning. And I think mine was Saturday night because I think we were all texting in the group. We're not we haven't done any spoilers at all about most about what we've what we've thought or what we've read. But we all we all Bo was done first. We knew that Joey was done the morning, and I was like, I gotta catch up. So I was that night. So we all finished a bit roughly about the same time, and we're recording this on. Tuesday night, so we've even got a couple days without without reading. So it's gonna be it's gonna be fun fun discussion. I'm proud of us for that. But yeah, I've I've been done since Wednesday, so I've been comic dry. I literally just started <laughs> up. Uh, I don't know if you guys have ever read this, but Marvel Zombies just in the background because like I know this is completely out of all context. It's got all my homies in it. I, I'm gonna get some Marvel reading in the in the meantime. So I've been watching the whole zombie universe because. That's going to keep me distracted while you guys try to keep up each week. <laughs> well, well oh, Bo, as you as you know, uh, my uh, references will all come from uh, M- Marvel Snap, uh, Marvel Strike Force, which are two mobile <laughs> games, and uh, the MCU. So uh, they have a Marvel Zombies character. They have the Iron Marvel Iron Man or Zombie Iron Man in Marvel Strike Force already. So that's awesome. So I was on it. Here. I was on it I'm with you. And the only the only marvel background i have is i play uh lego marvel on the xbox and i was gonna but my nephew does and he kills it like that's a great game <laughs> all of the lego no, games I mean, marvel universe games. who finds who finds the zombies first obviously that's your boy reed richards and the fantastic four which i feel like that ties us perfectly to our first assigned reading fantastic four numero uno this was my first time ever reading this has anybody joey is this was this one of your previous 1960s readings yeah so uh yeah real quick background i've been reading comics for probably i mean i've been reading comics my whole life but i never really got super into them until maybe high school right into college and i've been reading them constantly for the last 10 years i go on dry runs where i don't read them for a while but um yes in my essential marvel reading days i did go back and start it with fantastic four i read a lot of the hulk stuff and iron man stuff from the early 60s so i this is a lot of uh rereading for me but it was fun because it's been 10 15 years since i've uh been down this 60s road I gotta say, I remember why I stopped reading '60s comics and and came back to the present. <laughs> oh, that's the, yeah. This was a this is a whole different world, man. Jump jumping back to the '60s. This is not what I was used to. And again, by used to, I didn't pick up a comic until what? Probably about six months ago, Joey. I hopped on your unlimited account and started binge reading every modern comic era. Uh, 
Yeah, the 1960s were not part of that, but getting some of these first issues out of the way was eye-opening. Both in like, I mean, the art style, the the way that it's written, um, definitely some of the verbiage, like the way that these people talk. I feel like I was just in a different time, and there was a fun aspect to that and a cringy aspect to that as well, too. Well, see, this is where it's going to get really fun because these are the first comics. I think I told you guys I read the uh, Magic series. Just the, I think it's like four uh, comics, and that's it. And that those are that's my first uh, intro into comics. And then I went back and did uh, this series. So I didn't think any of it was cringy at all because this is my first experience on it. So it's gonna be fun to bounce the ideas and and uh, stuff off of each other. So I think well, let's uh, let's get started with a uh, with uh, issue number one. Fantastic yeah, I'd love four. Because I have a little bit of a. A little, I mean, as far back as I've gone, I did a lot of the big events. So I did, I did Secret Wars. I did Contest of Champions just because I love a crossover. But these origin stories are awesome for me. But Brady, I'd, lo- I'd love to hear just kind of, y- you started with something that's brand new, hot on the market right now, and then went back and read this origin story, this number one. What were your initial thoughts? Well, well, magic isn't isn't that new, right? Like, let me let me let me do a quick uh, a quick search. I think I think the comics were still in the, like the eighties. I think I did not realize that you read. Okay. Interesting. Yeah. So I don't, I don't think I started something too old. I have to double check. We'll check. I'm yeah, assuming maybe. her origin story came after probably the new mutant saga. Uh, oh, a hundred percent. So, but so I, I didn't start too old, but this one was definitely, definitely the oldest one that I've, I've read and uh, a little more age. Yeah. A little more and, fine taste. And, and so my, my overall, how I would describe it, is Scooby-Doo vibe. And I don't know if you guys get, understand that from that, but like, it just, to me, it read like a Scooby-Doo, like one of those kids Scooby-Doo uh, shows where they caught the bad guy and they ripped off the mask. And they're like, oh, darn it, you caught me, you know? So that was my I, overall view of it. I can definitely say the vibe, but I, I mean, I would even go, like the way that they were obviously talking amongst each other, like, I'd go way further past that. Like I'm getting like a, oh geez, I can't even make a reference because <laughs> I was not around then. But uh, yeah, just I mean, there there's some strong vibes in here. Some 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 anti commies. Some a lot uh, of commies. Though. Woman learning your place. <laughs> there's, there's, there's nothing wrong with anti commies. Come on. No, but uh, I, I do have some news for you guys. We're in the 60s comics. We have a, a, a long road of what's likely to be some, some sexism and anti-commie uh, agendas that are being pushed in these comics. Well, let's, talk, let's talk about the origin story itself. I feel like, I don't know if we need to do a big recap of what happens. I feel like it'd be awesome if whoever listens to this, who's ever out there, listener number one, is, is reading along with us. I feel like that would probably be the most fun. To, this is going to be a reaction podcast, not necessarily like a summary podcast. But I think what was most surprising to me was just kind of like how quickly they jumped into it. This is an origin story. So my Fantastic Four has been the the uh, the movies that have gotten terrible reviews on Rotten Tomatoes for every edition that they put out. But um, usually there's that huge buildup into how they got this. I mean, in issue number one, we, we start off right in the action with this flare gun signal sent out to the sky. Stop everything. Let's, let's go meet up. It, it's time to a little bit of backtrack how we got these powers. And uh, I, I don't know if it's what I was expecting, but it definitely, I mean, I enjoyed it. It was a lot of fun. 
Yeah, it's definitely not like your typical superhero movie that you would see these days where they like go through the whole backstory to like catch you up on you know who this person is it was more like a like de I, I think one of you pointed out like recently that it was the uh, the Deadpool thing where they just basically throw you into it and then at one point you get the hold on here's how we got here and then the rewind back to the, 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 the record scratch and, yeah no, I yes. mean, that's exactly how it was, too. And then, I mean, we get there. It, it reminds me a lot of the newer version of the Fantastic Four where, I mean, it was even, like, a little bit more, like, shocking how they got their powers. Um, where, like, I mean, you get back to Earth, and I expected him to be the thing. But uh, is anybody else surprised by the amount of times that Ben Grimm turns back into his human form in these first couple of issues? I didn't know that was even a thing. He's got to he's got to master his power, you know, he's got to understand it. And I think that's the kind of thing with the Fantastic Four is like you see it in this first one where they're like, "Ooh, cool, I got powers. I'm going to do things. And but obviously they they are still learning them. Right. Like that's kind of the cool thing about Fantastic Four is they quickly came on these powers. And instead of like kind of falling into like superhero dumb they kind of like stumbled they're like oh yeah we're the best we're gonna fix things and then they're kind of stumbling through the but i really don't know how to fix things that's what i think <laughs> i think i really like fantastic four for that um but i want to open up a whole different world here all right we're talking about fantastic four we're talking about all these things but the mole man the mole man come on like what, what's what you guys thoughts on the mole man villain number um, one Oh, for sure. I was going to say, I don't know that he's the most iconic villain of the of the series of comics that we've read this week, but he is absolutely my favorite comic of the week. I'll get the I'll go ahead and throw that out there at the moment at the top. Yeah, and this is kind of where I got the Scooby-Doo vibe, because like I don't remember what how far in I'm pretty sure it was really close to the end. It's all this build up, this build up, this build up. They're even doing like a fight scene and then. The mole man goes, ha ha, here's my tire plan. And then he gets fumbled. And he's like, darn it. Ha, you got me. And it's like, is that, if that's not the most Scooby-Doo thing ever. He but. literally, I, I, I can't remember the exact quote, but sits there and says, now I'm going to walk you through my plan. And I'm, yeah, I, you're giving me flashbacks to reading that issue, Brady. That's, that was mm -hmm. my exact thoughts was, we make fun of this nowadays because they made it popular back then. But the evil villain, I've got you. And while I have a second, let me tell you everything I'm about to do. That's perfect. All three yeah, of it, us it was... had a, uh, a reaction to that because I, I did type out the actual quote. It was, before I slay you all, behold my master plan. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. For the win. It's definitely too good. Um, anybody else have anything else about uh, issue one? Well, let me ask you guys this is, I mean, did you guys stick true to the reading in the list for this specific week or did you guys burn through a cut? Like, did you read all the fantastic four together um, and then bounce off to journey into mystery and then amazing fantasy that way? Or did you go issue for issue down the list? I so did I, stick true to the list. Yeah. And I went true to the list because I was worried if I jumped that they would like combine in some way, shape or form in between. And I didn't want to miss it and have to go back. So I said, well, it does. It I mean, in a way, I mean, this is not going to be a reference to issue number one, but I thought this was probably like the most surprising to me was the amount of times that they reference. And this, this happens 
it has to be maybe issues two or three. I can't remember for Fantastic Four, but um, where, where the villain is now the obviously the scrolls, and they reference other comics. Um, it's several times. Um, the Fantastic Four sitting there reading a comic specifically about Namor, and then um, they scare the scrolls away with the the journey into mystery monsters. So I mean that's kind of that's kind of fourth wall breaking. I didn't realize that Marvel comics were a thing in the original Marvel universe. Yeah, yeah. so a lot of meta stuff going on here early on. They I made lots of notes about you know strange tales showing up, and at one point, um, you know there was a Hulk teaser going on throughout an issue of Fantastic Four. At the every, bottom and top of every issue. Who who yeah. is the Hulk? What is the Hulk? <laughs> it was so annoying to do it on Unlimited or Marvel Marvel Unlimited too, because it you'd be sitting there and it's like, what is the Hulk? And I'm like, I, I don't care. I want to find out about the story. <laughs> I I love the handwritten aspect of it though. It really looks like at the bottom of somebody's like drawing page in a sketchbook, they they wrote that by hand. That's so different to what modern comics are. Is like I mean, the speech bubbles, the way that everything's just articulated in these different... I, I mean, I love the way that you read it from, t- from top to bottom like that. And then just, yeah, putting those little extra sketches in um, at the bottom, I thought was pretty cool. It almost looked like a handwritten letter. So, th- I mean, the vibe alone, the way that they're talking, what they're talking about definitely brought me back. But I, I personally am most drawn about, like, the art of this. Because, again, we're referencing... The reference to the Hulk, these different monsters that come up, the Moleman and his Under-Earth monsters. These were not the best drawn things I've ever seen in my life. I mean, Jack Kirby, they call him King Kirby. Um, obviously, this is his like freshman year in the Marvel Universe with Stan Lee and, and putting these things together. But these monsters, everything looked like a smushed up version of the thing. And the thing, oh my gosh, that poor guy. Like, he is a... He looks like melted ice cream. <laughs> yep. It definitely had better renditions down the line, but I think we do need to move on to our second uh, session before we uh, run out of time at the end. So I'm going to move us on to uh, Amazing Adult Fantasy, which is the second issue that we were supposed to read. Uh, so Amazing Adult Fantasy, number one. I have one comment, and then I'm just going to open it up to you guys until we move on to the third one, because my only note on this was why. So I'll open it up to y'all. I had a big why vibe as well, but I get the importance of it as well, too. Uh, I mean, Marvel Comics, this is when they first really started honing in on individual superheroes and, and really going to the background and depth of those superheroes over, over multiple different issues, as obviously the Fantastic Four will take off as Marvel's first family. Before that, it really was this like amazing fantasy and journey into mystery, and it was Marvel was these, it was horror vibes. It was these one-off characters where you kind of got these like shock values. And um, I thought that was cool. It reminded me of kind of like my aspect of that was like comics and like the original newspaper reading the Columbus Dispatch and like seeing like those little tiny strips and reading that. And you wouldn't like, it would be an individual story. Wouldn't necessarily pick up in the next one. Um, That was cool. Obviously, that's not how I picture Marvel Comics, but to to recognize that as part of the history, I feel like that's the only version of this we'll get, but it was cool to include that maybe just in this first couple of years. Yeah, um, I personally had this down as one of my top three favorite issues from this week. Wow, really? Because this, 
this was, to Bo's point, Marvel Comics at the time. We were getting into the 60s. The Fantastic Four were really all they had at that time. It, but it was Amazing Fantasy, Journey into Mystery, Strange Tales, those like monster of the week type things. And they didn't have a recur... Like, we are reading the beginning of the recurring Marvel Universe for the most part. So it it was fun to go down while we had a chance, that road of what comics were really like back then. With the, like, tale of the week. And I, I love some of the stories in this. I mean, the guy that get, thinks that there is uh, going to be a nuclear bomb dropped and he goes down into his bunker for a few months, comes back out and realizes that mankind had found a better planet elsewhere and left him there on Earth. It doesn't get better than that in storytelling. Come on, guys. So I will say the last man on Earth one was my favorite, uh, like one out of all of them. But maybe this is the new comic person in me. I'm like, I just I don't, I don't get it. I wanted it to hook into either the Fantastic Four or like I said, I was waiting for the connection over to the next hero, which I think is Hulk. Right. So I was waiting like, oh, this will connect uh, uh, Fantastic Four to the Hulk somehow. It's going to be great. And I was just like, I'll be honest. I got to that last one. And I was just so bored. So I was like, I don't. <laughs> well, I, don't, I think the I cool like thing it. is eventually they do connect. Because if you think about it, Joey listed, I mean, Strange Tales, Amazing Fantasy, Journey into Mystery. If you follow those down the line, you know, Amazing Fantasy, it even preludes to this in this issue saying we're going to pick back up with, uh, well, not in this issue, but the following one where they lose the adult title. Um, that's where Spider-Man took off. It was these one-offs that you get something that's a super popular story out of that, and they continue to just build and build and build on that. Journey into Mystery, we get the background story of Thor. And I thought that was really cool. They really the origin stories to these like super popular heroes that we know came as kind of like these one-off ideas amongst like a muddled kind of, Oh, I'm bored of this. This one's, Oh, but this one, I mean, this guy's got spider powers and this guy's a teenager and things like that. I, I thought that history in itself, it was cool to read this one. Obviously it goes that, I mean, that goes back well into the fifties and I'm not going to go back and read all those. Cause I don't have a true interest in all of that, but just to get kind of that vibe of where that came from was super interesting to me. So speaking of true interests, let's move on to Fantastic Four number two, our third issue on the week, uh, which I'll open it up and say uh, some of my notes were that scrolls are awesome in the MCU. Uh, they're awesome in the comics. I'm a big fan of the shapeshifters that cause mischief um, and really enjoyed, enjoyed it. What do you guys think? Do we have scrolls in the MCU yet? I know Secret Invasion oh, yeah. is coming. Up. Oh, yeah. Captain um, Marvel had Captain a Marvel. That was oh, like the whole plot. Right. And there were those couple clips at the end with, with Nick Fury in the car at the end. I forgot. I'm, I'm not going to lie. MCU-wise, Captain Marvel, that was, that was I mean, obviously not my, my top five. Uh, I, I love say. her as a character, but yeah, the film itself, I think I fell asleep during the first walk. <laughs> but I, I mean, as far that. as the scrolls go, I told you when I started reading comics, I was like, I want all the crossover events. I want everything. The comic event of Secret Invasion, uh, reading like the new Avengers, the Bendis like series of Avengers. I loved the, the scrolls and what that did to the Marvel Universe. So to see them here from like what their first introduction to to three cows left on planet earth i mean uh this was this was a cool story i i liked again seeing the origin story of something i'm familiar with i what i had to say about the scrolls was 
Bo's point earlier about the art, I, I love Jack Kirby. He's basically <laughs> responsible for a lot of the Marvel Universe. But, and, and to be fair, he was the only artist, basically, that they had. Nowadays, you'll get an artist that's assigned to one story, and they get to pump out you know one story for a couple weeks, and they'll shift over to another one. Jack Kirby and Ditko were like the two artists basically responsible for all of Marvel Comics, and it was all hand-drawn on paper. It must have been so difficult to do that. But if I looked like the scrolls in these comics, I would impersonate other people too. True. Oh, that's good. And yeah, impersonation, like, to a weird extent. Did anybody else, like, when that issue kicked off, and, like, obviously... We think that this is just the Fantastic Four, like, committing these crimes. There were some pretty funny ones. Like, I mean, the one where, like, Mr. Fantastic just reaches in and turns off that power lever. (laughs) And, like, the electricity's gone. Somebody, like, watches him do this. And he's like, But you know that guy just flipped the switch back on, like, two seconds later. (laughs) It's like... It's like uh, Sue walking into the diamond store and just going, uh, yoink. It's like thanks for this. I don't think so. <laughs> it's like what? Okay, thanks. So yeah, I mean, not the like most evil of attempts, but I mean, at the same extent, like let's go through that issue, skip through a couple of climax points, but when the Fantastic Four goes back onto the ship, oh, the scrolls the are entirely too gullible. <laughs> oh man, like they're just so so gullible. And I think that's a big vibe for a lot of these early comics is like just the population in general is just so awestruck and gullible and like stupid. Like I, I and I think that's um, to a lot of it, there's a lot of play in that, which I think is very, very funny. Uh, and it obviously makes the superhumans even more super. Uh, but yeah, just just so dumb. Agreed. Speaking of dumb. Uh, our our fourth issue, I believe, or uh, fifth oh issue, goodness. actually. I is, uh... always forget about how awful this introduction is. Sorry to cut you off, Brady. <laughs> it's all good. Uh, our our uh, fifth issue, or fourth issue, is The Incredible Hulk number one. Yeah, uh, fourth issue. Yeah, fourth <laughs> issue. And uh, I'm going to start it and say... Uh, my favorite character of this entire comic book is Rick Jones. Well, Rick Jones is one of the greatest characters in Marvel comics. Let but me tell you. He's no chicken. That man, if you tell him to, will drive into the middle of a nuke testing zone and play his harmonica because he's not gonna back down from a dare. Sure not. And then and then here's my thing about Rick Jones, right? He gets a beat like to death, thrown around by the Hulk multiple times, multiple times, the entire, like, entire comic. And he's just like, yes, whatever, man, I'm still coming with you. It's just like, <laughs> Rich Jones well, is just the best. The Hulk, too, because, I mean, this man was, you think about the Hulk. First off, I mean, I think we all probably knew this. He's, he's gray in this particular version. I think they redid this version Instead of the gray and orange, there was, like, a green and purple, like, reissue of this. Maybe I'm making that up, but I'm pretty sure that there is. But, obviously, the very, very original, we got Greyhawk. This man is, like, 
He's like six foot. He's not the Hulk. Like, I mean, he's hulking compared to people that like in the other comics. But I mean, uh, not what I was expecting. Yeah, Hulk will Hulk will undergo some changes in the next ten to fifteen years. Mainly, though, I always forget. Even though I think I've read this Incredible Hulk number one issue at least three times at this point. I always forget the that the Hulk started as only the Hulk at night. He, the he Were Hulk. In, yeah, he changed <laughs> into the Hulk at sundown and he was you know back to Bruce Banner in the morning. I always forget about that and I don't know when that goes away or how they explain it and I'm interested to see if we get to read that. Yeah, some yeah. of these original powers too. Yeah, I uh the the Hulk specifically that stood out to me as well. Where I mean he knew it. He's like, "Oh, well, the night's going to come again and I'm going to turn back into the Hulk. And I'm curious to see when that kind of fizzles out. Cause obviously that's not the Hulk that we grew up with. Yeah. That was the weird thing for me as well. I was like, wait, wait, nighttime. Like what, wait, what about getting angry? Where's, where's that? So, uh, but we did talk about, uh, ugly at the start of this. So what is <laughs> everyone's thoughts on gargoyle? Oh man. Um, why <laughs> my first thought was because again i saw i saw the name he was kind of like this shadowy figure we saw the gargoyle everybody's terrified of him and then it shows him uh and i didn't expect the watcher to come up <laughs> and, and all, like that doesn't look like a gargoyle to me why did he get that name beats me um, i i took no notes whatsoever on the gargoyle because I was just very unimpressed with him as a character. However, uh, general, just overall piece of crap in the Marvel Universe that we get an introduction to is Thunderbolt Ross, who I can only <laughs> have pegged as a um, definition of toxic masculinity. Yeah, general... Uh... Thaddeus Thunderbolt Ross. I mean, I I love him as. I mean, we know him as, eventually even even the Red Hulk. But I think even just uh, oh my gosh, who did they just cast him as in the MCU? Uh, it's Han Solo. Why am I blinking on his name? Harrison Ford. Harrison Ford coming up as uh, General Ross in the new Thunderbolts movie, and I love the Thunderbolts by the way. But yeah, and this uh, what a what a douche. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, and then, yeah, just, I mean, that, I think we even screenshotted this, one of you guys did, and I think I had it saved as well, too, is where he refers, to, he just basically tells his daughter to shut up and says, hey, this is man talk right now, yeah. and I, uh, that's, like, his, his true, I didn't know the whole background between Hulk and, what is his daughter, the, the original sewer of the American flag, Betsy Ross, Betty. or something like that? <laughs> yes, yeah. Betty, Betty, that's right, not Betsy. Um, yeah, uh, not my favorite character, um, nor was, uh, Igor, like, we didn't know he was gonna turn out to be evil. <laughs> I felt bad for him at first, you know, he's just, they were testing a gamma bomb, and he was, just turned to Bruce Banner and said, you know, would you like to share any of the details on how you made this bomb? I think Bruce Banner's got a heck of an ego just building an entire bomb and not sharing any of the details with anyone about it. <laughs> Let's talk about this, because I think this is a general theme just like the good old commies. 
to to the majority of the comics that we've read is I mean Stanley and his amazing comic mind, like the things that they write. I mean, I I don't know if I just assume this, but Stanley does not come from a science background. <laughs> like if you think about the science in comics and just like the way that they misinterpret and misunderstand so many factors of how these things work. It's, I mean, to play on the word like comic, it's comedic. And I, th- I thought that was so funny, but there were points where I was like, that doesn't seem right. There's science at best. Speaking about, you know, I think you guys mentioned like, you know, what a guy that, uh, that Thunderbolt, Thunderbolt was, uh, we should like move that into another guy that's in ish- issue five, which is fantastic for number four. The guy that is uh, the submariner, a.k.a. Namor. Well, let me pause you here. Uh, Let's take a group vote. Are we team submariner or submariner? How do you guys read that? It's submariner. It's a submariner, but I always called it submariner because I uh, didn't. I don't think I knew for the longest (laughs) until I heard somebody pronounce it. But I've heard people in, in comic reviews say submariner. I like well, how was that meant to be pronounced? Let's it be honest, like Mariner. Let's be honest. It's definitely Namor. Not Namor. So you don't need to, you know. Oh yeah, Namor or Namor. The what about? No, it's it's it's, it's Namor. It's Namor. You know, <laughs> Namor. Whatever. You know. I my thing is right. Here's my big thing from this whole whole thing is uh, dude is horny. You, you know, know who else is. <laughs> You know who else is? It's Sue Storm, dude. True, true. Let's talk about Namor, it. Namor, I mean, this proposal that, I mean, after just embarrassing the other three of the Fantastic Four in this, this just, I mean, again, like, you think of, like, what cliche comics and stuff are. They were, they're referenced to these, some of these originals for a reason. But at the time, this was probably super original. But, I mean, they go to... SM Studios for this, obviously, and then the Submariners there, and he's he's got all this money, and he's casting this movie role, and sends them off to their demise in each of these situations. Hold on, Bo, you are in the are, wrong comic. You are describing Fantastic Four number nine. <laughs> Which... Oh, guys, 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 you're absolutely right. <laughs> no, actually, sub uh, both Mole Man and then the Submariner, I think it's cool because like you see. That was the prelude to we're going to continue on these people because um, we didn't even talk about this about with Mole Man, but they just kind of get like they're free afterwards. They're not locked in jail. They're not like dead. They are there just kind of out and about. And then there's these thoughts of, oh, will these people return? And I thought that that dot, 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 the end question mark kind of into these comics was pretty cool. Um Obviously, we know that the Submariner is is not dead or gone because I just referenced the next issue that he comes up in. Um, but uh, I, I like that aspect of it too, where these these top like super villains—they're not one and done kind of like comics like Marvel was so used to. They're really building on these, and there's got to be this nemesis aspect to it. Yeah, and here's my thing with with uh, Namor and 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 Submariner, right? He gets brought in as a homeless dude. Right, <laughs> and somehow, <laughs> somehow, Human Torch just can miraculously be the best barber with his finger in a flame and turn him exactly to what he looks like 
in his comic book that they he just read, and then somehow knew to drop him in water to remember all of his all of his you know abilities and stuff. It's like what's what what the Human Torch know that we don't know? That's my takeaway from this. <laughs> you might have picked up that comic book, but yeah, I mean there there was a lot of kind of there's some cringe to this, but the the awakening that I mean. What he knew is clearly what the other people in that little, I'm assuming a homeless shelter didn't know. Because, I mean, they picked a fight with the wrong guy. They're like, yeah, this guy's got superhuman strength. Let's get him. <laughs> like, <laughs> how dare you not listen to us? And, and, and my, my takeaway, right? Why didn't he just lift up his pant leg and see the uh, wings on his ankles and go, yep, it's, it's Submariner. Because like, then we wouldn't see the true barber <laughs> techniques of this man's flame on. The, the man who, in, just a couple issues ago, like saw a flare gun in the sky and took off as the human torch and burned his own car in his garage, just melted it. Now has this delicacy of, and then I mean, in the same flight, like I think he took out two fighter jets. And now he's just just barely grazing his skin with this flame. Uh, so yeah, some clear character development there. So I got a I got a noob question too. Are Sue and Mister Fantastic like is is Invisible Woman Mister Fantastic are they together? Are they not? What's what's the what's the what's the I don't read think this early on? Done the bat. I mean, obviously we know them as married with kids to this point, but I think at this point there might just be kind of that. I don't think that they're married. I think there's just kind of like that lingering, maybe crush aspect. I don't know. Mr. Fantastic still very egocentrical to me. I don't, he's not really showing a ton of interest to well, her. The vibe I get from them in these early Fantastic Four comics is that they're kind of that couple that you're friends with that won't acknowledge that they're a couple, but everyone around them knows that they're a couple. I, I, I guess, like, you I, know they refuse to put the label on it. But yeah, they they obviously have the you know a crush for one another, and I think that it is Mister Fantastic's ego that's standing in the way of anything being official. See, see, I get that, and I think in episode one, like when like the villain was whatever, like it was like towards the end of it, she's like, oh, and like grabs and hugs Mr. Fantastic. And that's because I know the ending. I was like, oh, they're already together. Like, great. But then I get to this one and she's like, nah, dude, I'll, mar I'll marry you. Don't don't kill people. I'll marry you. It's fine. And I'm like, wait, 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 wait hold up. Wait. So it, was, it was basically, if under different circumstances, I might have said yes. It's the vibe <laughs> that I got where she's like, well, you did all this stuff, so no. But I mean, if you did it, then mate. <laughs> but I mean, we're referencing, like, their relationship, like, their origins, how they got their names and stuff. And I think we kind of skipped over that. And I, I'm totally willing to come back to it. But what did you guys think about, like, them naming themselves and each other? Like, the Human Torch, get it? You burst into flames. The Like, the thing? Yeah, that was kind of rude. <laughs> but, I mean, he, he kind of took that gracefully. Mr. Fantastic was just, like, that has no reference to his powers. And he was just I'm like, a, I'm, I'm Mr. The... Fantastic. That's the summary of his ego right there, is that he literally named himself Mr. Fantastic. Well, it's like this, right? I think they all went through and like, I think Sue was the first one and she goes, I'm an invisible woman. Invisible woman, right? And then it gets to like, 
you know, Human Torch is like, yeah, Human Torch, yeah. And then things goes, well, you guys called me the thing, so I guess I'm the thing. And then Mr. Fantastic goes, that's settled. And I'm Mr. Fantastic. And it's like, wait, wh- why? Wh- wait, wait, that, it was just the, the, like, everyone's, like, explaining it. And then it gets to Mr. Fantastic, and he just goes, well, I'm Mr. Fantastic. It's like, wait, what, what, why? Yeah, it was... It was definitely an odd move on Reed Richards' part to go with Mr. Fantastic in that situation. However, speaking of Fantastic Four introductions, I'm going to go ahead and segue us into the next Fantastic Four comic here because we get the introduction of potentially one of the greatest Marvel villains of all time in this next comic, with Victor Von Doom. So let's go ahead and swing on over to our next issue, which is Fantastic Four number five, where Fantastic Four meets Doctor Doom. What are your guys' thoughts on Doctor Doom? Love him. Uh, he wasn't the doomiest. <laughs> I, I, I expect, I don't know. I've got such a respect and a love for Doom. Um, this was clearly, it just seemed a little thrown together for his kind of Marvel reveal. Like, to the point where, like, He's at a table with sorcery and science books just sitting there. And I just feel like this wasn't the, he's not the doom that I've come to, to know and love. See, I'm a big fan of Dr. Doom. I thought there wasn't enough of him in this. And what we did get was very meh, right? I wanted to see him controlling it more or understanding like the, you know, Getting getting the backstory. I will say though, and I'll ask this question: Did anyone feel as bad for the thing as I did, or <laughs> is that just oh, no? Me? I I didn't feel bad for the thing in this issue in particular. However, Doom, I agree. Doom, you know, he evolves over time into the the Doom that is the most iconic villain, arguably in Marvel. But in his introduction, did you spot he had a freaking tiger? awesome is that <laughs> i mean that that's evil villain yeah that's that's a tiger by your throne that's that's fantastic no pun intended but, but yeah as far as feeling bad for the thing to answer your your question brady i mean does anybody else just get the general theme that like the thing like yeah you you got the short straw man but you're kind of rude <laughs> like guys he's not nice he's not taking this well and uh he's just <laughs> I mean, he's almost more hulking than the Hulk. But that's why... Oh, sorry, go ahead, Brady. I was just like, that's why it's perfect what happened in this issue. He's rude. He probably doesn't smell good, because he's literally made of rock, right? He he gets in this role of being Blackbeard the pirate, and, like, finds his home. He can be rude, he can be ugly, and he can be, you know... The thing, and everyone like loves him for it, you know. Well, that, let's not let's not skip over that lightly, Brady. We went back in time here, and we we've come to learn that the original Blackbeard the pirate was the thing of the Fantastic Four. Did anybody else see that coming? I did not. For, but one of the greatest moments of Marvel changing real Earth history. <laughs> I, I mean. I loved this storyline. I had this down as my second favorite of the, the comics that we read this week. You've listed your third and your second, and I'm quite excited to hear what that number one was for you. Oh, I, we will get there. Trust me. Well, let's move on to what might be it, which is our 
is this one, two, three, four, five, six, seventh issue, which is Journey into Mystery number 83, which is the introduction of The Mighty Thor. What do you guys think? Well, this was the introduction to a a human doctor that I had no idea had any relation to the origin of Thor. (laughs) I didn't ever think that Thor was another one of these change into my alter ego superheroes. I know Thor, Odin's son of uh, Asgard. Uh, This uh, Dr. Blake (laughs) was uh, somebody very new to me. Yes, Dr. Donald Blake is another, you know, oft-forgotten origin of a, a superhero that, you know, Brady, your introduction to Marvel Comics is going to be fun because you're going to learn, you know, all about the retcons that happen throughout history. And one of those retcons is that, the, you know, this is Thor's origin story, but we will learn at a later time that Dr. Donald Blake was all along Thor that had been sent back to Earth. I don't know if we're going to wind up reading these comics at some point, but yes, Odin banished Thor to Earth, similar to you know how it happens in the movie, except Thor kind of loses his memory and becomes Dr. Donald Blake and must re-find you know, his own worthiness as Thor, which we witness here in these intro comics when we get the official introduction to Thor in the Marvel Universe. And I think that's cool because, I mean, that that really kind of explains his tie to Earth. Why is this literal god defending these Earth beings? How does he have this tie to this realm, this planet? I think that's a cool kind of introduction to that origin. I mean, we're immediately given, we've been talking about Kirby's art a couple times, this is the classic Thor look. Well, I mean, granted, like, his hammer does look a little tiny in this to what I would prefer. But, I mean, on paper, like, this is this is Thor. And I didn't know that, I mean, that this was an aspect of his walking cane as well, too. Again, it was a tap my stick this way, I do this, and turn into this. And, the, I mean, the origin, I knew nothing about this. And I think they distanced it from it. In the MCU and and further comics for a reason, because it's a it's a little lame compared to the Almighty Thor and his powers. And I prefer the the vintage speaking, beer drinking, hammer slinging Thor compared to somebody who's kind of like changing in and out. But there were some cool aspects to that too. Of I mean, if I let go of my hammer for this amount of time, I change back, or I I can whirl it around and fling it and that'll propel me into a flight motion like that development of powers was pretty cool yeah my favorite part of that will come in a later episode that or a later issue that i'm sure we'll talk about but um i i liked it being a uh a, you know a, a weak earthling um because it was that major drastic change where this dude's like literally walking with a walking stick and a limp but because he's worthy you know he finds uh mjolnir and bada bing bada boom he just becomes thor right it's literally the mcu version of of lady jane right of uh, our mighty jane not lady jane that's a barber essentially shop, but, yeah but, yeah take some cancer <laughs> but yeah it's like he's instead of having a limp says cancer but you know a big you know mjolnir finds him worthy and he becomes he becomes thor even though he 
hasn't done anything for so long. So I, I'm a big fan of Thor origin story. So what were your guys' thoughts on the original villains of Thor, which were the stone men from Saturn? Well, I mean, it took a little bit of digging for me to this. They, uh, they popped off the ship. And again, in reference to Kirby's art, I was like, wow, these people all look like the thing. (laughs) <laughs> they're walking yeah. off. And it, it just looked like every other monster but in reference to the mcu that we all come to to grow and love is this not the same race that korg is Ooh, that is a great question i Do believe you're... that korg is of these these rock men um of saturn and that's that was his origin as well was of this race of beings see i had that same thought um and and it also was uh mar uh have you guys watched the uh uh little dicky song uh about br- the his brain yeah I've seen a lot like the, the music vi- video yeah music video yep so um in that music video we're going deep and deep and off the off the rails here but in that music video he talks about like aliens coming to earth and saying like you know we could walk all over people or do they think we'll go hard like I felt like the snowman walked in and was like, these guys, whatever, dude. And <laughs> like, Earthlings are stupid. And it was like, Bro, you know, they started just lifting our trees out of the ground. They hopped off a cliff just because they could. Like, what a flex. Yep. So I, I kind of like the stonemen, but I guarantee you they're, they're dumb. And next time we see them, they're probably still going to be dumb. And I'm very excited for it. I'm here for it. But yeah, but yeah, Google there's... this. I'm pretty positive that is that is the race that we get Korg from, the the beloved friend of Thor in the MCU. That's Taika Waititi himself. But yeah, the the Stone Men are are definitely dumb. They see Thor, the one person in arguably the world that could have done what you know enough to make them leave. They see one of him and they go, "Oh, they must all be like this. Let's leave." and i I think it's time now to transition into what i'm gonna go ahead and guess without him revealing is joey's favorite comic Um, we're talking about journey into mystery 85 (laughs) we're gonna go to our eighth comic which is amazing fantasy or no journey sorry 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 skipping over my man to mystery 85 that's what i said aka the reveal of loki it is and it's the one i it's the one i referenced already and said we're (laughs) gonna get to my favorite part of of thor's powers going away which i'll go ahead and talk about before i pass it on which is at the end when he literally flings loki back to asgard and goes if this comes back and i'm a human it's gonna kill me but i did it anyways and it's like you know anyway yes Journey uh, into Mystery 85, go. Does that make any sense that Thor's hammer coming back and him catching it as Donald Blake would kill him? Because wouldn't the contact with the hammer immediately just turn him back into Thor? Not only that, if he was Donald Blake, wouldn't the hammer not come to him? I haven't seen like a handout catch and release thing yet. That That comes when he's just consistently Thor. Like, wouldn't it be like, oh, I'm not going to that doctor? Like, wouldn't it just kind of fall? <laughs> I had some real questions about Thor's abilities in this particular issue. The hammer being one of them. The other being the fact that the hammer emits antimatter particles 
that can somehow just, you know, he encounters people that have turned negative, which is a situation that no one in the history of anything has ever run into. And he's like, oh, I can emit antimatter particles out of my hammer and fix this. Where on earth did that come from? The brain of Stan Lee. <laughs> and, and it leads into one of the best villains, in my opinion, of, of Marvel with, with Mr. Negative in the future, so. Ooh, Mr. Negative fan. See, I, I don't know a ton about him. I know that he's a big Spider-Man guy, um, but I, I don't know. I mean, obviously, the, I associate the Negative Zone itself. Is that, a, is that a similar aspect? There's a lot of negative going on, but with the Fantastic <laughs> Four, um, Mr. Negative kind of with Spider-Man, I don't really kind of do antimatter negative particles with, with Thor, but again, I think that was just kind of a little bit of a science mumbo jumbo explanation of these godlike powers that we're seeing for the first time. But yeah, we get this. I don't know. Again, to reference kind of that first issue, I'm not a fan of this. It's too Hulk like. It's too, I'm this person now and I'm just this almighty being a second later after these effects. So I'm glad that those kind of differentiate over time. But um, yeah, I mean, just in classic comic fashion, obviously that hammer comes a split second (laughs) in in the nick of time so that he still catches the as Thor and and wins the day. But weirdly enough, I don't know if I knew a a ton about the Bifrost, um, but I thought that might have been like uh, uh, maybe like a, under the influence, I've had some drugs written comic where there's just this giant rainbow road <laughs> as well, too. But I'm glad that that stuck. I just that always was confusing to me why there's a rainbow road to Asgard. I was I was disappointed in the amount of story, lack of story to Bifrost there was because like I'm used to the MCU where you know, Heimdall has to, you know, open it and make it go and close it and. And and it gets here and it's like, yeah, it's always open. It's just a rainbow thing that connects it. And it's like, wait, 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 where's the, where's the coolness? Where's, where's that? And then the other thing is, uh, Heimdall got some, got some things going on, uh, from the comics to the MCU. I don't know if I like it. I always just assumed that this was all a part of Norse mythology that Stanley and, that Kirby were borrowing from uh, is the Bifrost and all of that. Is that linked to Norse mythology? I've never known anything about Norse mythology outside of what I know through Marvel. I know the characters themselves are obviously Loki, Thor, Odin. Uh, I like that they even said, I mean, the classic kind of uttering phrase of Odin's beard in this. Um, that, that was a cool, I know that that obviously continues on as well too. Instead of like a, oh my God, it's a Odin's beard. And, th- and that's, I like that kind of like religious kind of mythological aspect of it is, is a cool play to it. Um, so I think a lot's torn from that. And I think this is probably the first reference to, I mean, maybe this deep mythology to, to kind of build a comic off of. Um, I know that there's obviously that the Marvel comics continue and to kind of continue to throw in some some Greek mythology as well too and then some Egyptian obviously too but I think Thor was kind of that original maybe fact check me on that but I think it's a cool thing to build off of so let's go into uh what I think might be Joey's favorite comic uh of the series not Journey into Mystery 85 
but uh, our next, which is what, eighth now? One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, our ninth issue, which is Amazing Fantasy number 15, which is the wonderful origin story of Spider Man. Spider Man. What'd you guys think? I loved it in all the ways i mean I, the movies have done a great job and even like the renditions of i mean the ultimate universe and just revived visits back to this origin stay pretty true to this obviously there's some differing factors um but i think that that's cool that i mean we can kind of predict how he gets his powers what he does after he gets his powers who dies shortly after he gets those powers. Um, it's, I mean, it's the classic Spider-Man origin story that we've all come to know and love. Yeah. yeah so I, I, I wanted to give Bo an opportunity to answer before I jumped in, but you are 1000% right, Brady, that this was my, my favorite issue of the 11 that we read this week. I mean, Spider-Man has been my favorite superhero marvel character you know fictional character arguably since i was five ten years old i love spider-man this is the like you said the origin the classic spider-man origin the spider coming down with the radioactive powers you get uncle ben you get the you know peter Peter's own choices leading to Uncle Ben's ultimate fate, which is what ultimately causes him to become Spider-Man, who is arguably the greatest symbol of good that we have in this universe. I, I don't know what you could possibly fault this comic issue for, except for the very heavy classic 60s bullying that was happening in these high schools. Bullying, but yeah, I mean, Peter Parker... What a nerd, bro. <laughs> like, I mean, and he doesn't handle it well either. Like, when, like he's going to, you're going to get what's coming to you. Like, writes a list of, of people's names. Nerd. And, I mean, again, obviously, in today's society, that's a super big factor. Like, obviously, it's important. We want to monitor that, do what we can. But, like... Oh my gosh, Pete, come on. <laughs> You're better than that. Yeah. My two big takeaways, and I also want to say I loved I love this comic. Um, but my two big takeaways that I, I, I walked away from was like, uh, were I really enjoyed seeing the explanation because I don't maybe I missed it in the MCU, but the explanation of how he can climb up walls with like the the tips of his fingers, you know, I thought that was really cool. And then, uh, like, in the middle of the comic, where the guy's, like, running away, and he just lets him go, and the cop's like, what are you doing, dude? And he's like, yeah, whatever, bud. And I'm like, that's not very Peter Parker-like. But those are the two really things that I, I noticed. Everything else was just amazing. That stuck out to me as well, too, that second part there, where, I mean, the classic robber takes the money, runs away, cops tell him to stop. Peter says, that's not my problem. Um, in the, in the, a lot of the movies and like renditions of that origin, it's because like, I mean, Peter gets fronted, like he, he gets shorted of this money. Um, he's basically kind of like saying, uh, you did this to me. I'm going to do this to you. Not my problem. Um, but in this, it's almost because he's like this movie star. He has this huge head. He has these powers. He's got this mask on. He's a different person and he just doesn't care. It's not, oh, you were, you owe me money. You were supposed to do this. It was just like, a, 
<laughs> nah, I'm good. That that was the biggest difference of this origin to me. And then obviously, rather than going to like meet Uncle Ben down on the street or something where he got dropped off or by the library, it was a home invasion, uh, which is very specific and really sucks. Uh, but that Ben gets kind of cut off in this in this one universe. I mean, if you go back and read some of the other origin stories like that, that happens kind of over time. But it, this is a one and done. <laughs> and uh, a lot of that happens with his powers, too. I mean, th this dude, just to speak to the intellect of Peter Parker, I mean, he created his web shooters and like half a panel. <laughs> He's like, I'm going to sew this costume. And we see the classic Spider-Man costume right then and there. And then, uh, oh, I need something to get around. I'm going to make these web shooters, and boom, done. Honestly, one of my biggest bones to pick with Peter Parker, it took you getting spider powers to make this webbing fluid that you have. You could have been swinging around New York for your entire life. You don't need the spider powers to use the webs. Why didn't he start making this earlier, if not only to sell it? Yeah, I mean, that's huge. But uh, he just, I guess, he got very, very big spider vibes after this bite. He realized where his powers came from, and then he made this suit that came just based off a of spider, which, in my opinion, and this is just me, I get bit by a spider, I get these powers, they're dope. I'm going to make a costume based off of a spider? That costume's going to be the black suit right off the get-go. Where did red and blue come from? Love it. It's cool. It's iconic. But it's just like, I'm a spider. And then I don't think Spider-Man based off of that. It was flashy. He was trying to get attention. Um, but yeah, a, a lot happened over the course of what was half of a comic, really, in this issue. Because they still had to, you know, this was an amazing fantasy. It was not an amazing Spider-Man comic. So they still had your you know, classic Tale of the Week episode the type things. Which, the other thing I wanted to note before we move past this issue is that we learned how the pyramids got made in one of those other issues. It was, you know, mummies in museums leading poor, unfortunate, present-day people into the past to build the pyramids. And I did not expect a follow-up story to that. I have always thought, because I've never gone back and read it, that Amazing Fantasy 15 was just Spider-Man. But we are still in that issue of there's multiple stories per this, and not all of them continue on to the next issue. And then, yeah, that uh, <laughs> I'm a mummy. Hey, come here. Hide in this like sarcophagus, <laughs> and then you're transported back in time. That sucks. Yeah, and speaking about uh, multiple issues and 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 it's sucking. Uh, the second issue is sucking. Um, we've got uh, our next one, which is Tales to Astonish number thirty-five, uh, where we're talking about the return of the Ant Man. Um, I was confused why in this reading we didn't have the origin to the Ant Man. Was anybody else confused by that? Well, it, I was confused, but. It kind of, I'm assuming the summary at the start of it is kind of basically what the origin would be, which is why they skipped it, which is that he accidentally made it once and struck down and then all those ants tried to eat him. Yeah, they did. They did give the quick summary, and I imagine they didn't have us read the original for one of two reasons. It either was terrible, or it was from like 15 years ago before this reading list started. I think it was the it issue was prior. But I, I don't know how long ago it happens. But yeah, I, I, 
I'm going to admit this here now. I forgot that this was on our reading list. Love Ant Man, Aunt Han- like Hank Pym. That's my guy. But yeah, the, for some reason, amongst the the Thors, the Fantastic Four, the Hulk, the Spider Man, I I literally blanked that this was part of it. Well, well, here's here's where I would play a drop if we had one because Joey mentioned this at the at the at the start in 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 passing. But this was my second favorite comic out of all of them. Uh, I loved the the understanding how Ant Man like did his thing and he was talking about how he's can outsmart all the other creatures and how they think of him as this like god because he's basically a tiny human and has all the human stuff and I'm like. This is Ant-Man. This is dope. This is awesome. And here he is, like, you know, untying people and saving people and sicking the, the, the bitey ants on people. I was like, this is this is dope. Something so, I, I did really like about this was the, you know, the, the science sprinkled it throughout. I don't know if all of these ant facts were absolutely true, but they, they were educating us throughout, giving us little ant facts. And then they did the classic, you know, comic book staple where they have the full page in the middle of the comic. I don't remember if it was in the middle, but explaining, you know, the breakdown of how Ant-Man's helmet and things work. All little squiggles and doodles and, yeah, the how do ants communicate and talk about the antennae and the difference between the worker ants and the queen ants. That was cool. Um, again, <laughs> I just kind of believed it. I don't know if it was all necessarily true, but it's in, in classic comic book fashion, I took it to be true just to kind of explain those powers. But um, yeah, I mean, Ant-Man's cool. He's not, he, he's A tier. He's one of the originals, but I guess I never kind of put him in that category talking about everybody else that we read this week. Oh, I, I went a hundred percent. So that's what I That's where I would do the drop and go. Yeah, fight me, Bo. Ant-Man's the best. Um, but I will say one negative, big negative thing about this comic, and it's because we're reading it on Marvel Unlimited, uh, the big giant strange encounter page. I read it from start to finish going, all right, there's going to be something here that's just like super important. And I fell asleep in the middle of it. That was one of the nights I was reading as I was going to bed. And I fell asleep in the middle of it. And I'm like, I don't, I'm just skipping. I just Skip the rest of it and then continued about Ant Man. So, yeah, I, I, that's the negative. But the actual story of Ant Man was my favorite, second favorite part of this week. Oh, did you read the Strange Encounter story? Yeah, that's why I said I fell asleep in the middle of it. But I'm curious if Bo read it. Oh, yeah, no, obviously, yeah. Um, are you you're talking about where it? No, I didn't. <laughs> 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 the, the big Dude, ass story so in the middle of the car. <laughs> that I was just like, oh, this isn't relevant. <laughs> and I think I read like lines on each page and as I was just skimming from one to the next. <laughs> I was I waiting. Mean, I was waiting for them to connect it and it be something about, you know, how Ant-Man figured out some kind of, and I'm just like, <sighs> I was like dang it. I envy you in your ability to actually just decide to skip that the rest of that story when you fell asleep because the completionist in me would not let me do that. I read the entire <laughs> thing and let me tell you, he tells you the story in the first couple of sentences. It's a case of mistaken identity. That's all it was. <laughs> oh. Speaking about uh, mistaken identity and you know being something you're not like a TV show. Uh, our last episode or last issue of the week, uh, Fantastic Four number nine, seems to be just that 
Bo alluded to it earlier uh, with uh, the Submariner uh, Namor and uh, his tricky plight of the somehow broke Fantastic Four. What'd you guys? He's think? back. We skipped four issues, and, and he's back. And obviously, he's going to be a recurring theme here. But yeah, so maniacal. Not how I how I picture the Submariner. Um, again, nowhere close to how he's portrayed in the MCU. Um, in modern comics, he's got kind of this this good guy, bad guy vibe. But this is just true mwahaha evil villain. Yeah, yeah, I was all for it. I I, I love I, I love him so much, and I really enjoyed the outwitting and like you could see it. He's like, "Ha, huh, I'm dropping him on this island." And he's going to fight this guy. And this guy never lets anyone off the island. So he's going to die. And you're like, no, no, he's not. No, no, he's not. And they then, were immune to fire. Obviously, he's going to drop the human torch there. But yeah, none of those really played out. Yeah, a lot of a lot of Namor just leaving the Fantastic Four in situations that they could deal with and thinking they were dead. Except for Except. the thing. He's like, I'm going to take this guy on one on one. Oh, there was another really obvious exception. I mean, obviously, was Sue. His, <laughs> his, his love of his life, Sue. Yeah, he definitely did Sue. not try to kill Sue, all right? Yeah, which this is actually the issue with the proposal, if, because this was the issue where Sue literally did say she might have said yes had he not tried to kill all of her friends. Mm-hmm. Me too. Maybe they're I mean, this both. is the this is the king of Atlantis. Mm-hmm. Is he the king? Is he the prince? He's, he's the prince. He's prince Namor. Does he's that just... make him the son of Triton? I know it no, obviously no. doesn't touch on that in the comics, but in typical Disney mashup with Marvel fashion, uh, does does it go about explaining why he's the prince? Who knows? I honestly, I'm going to be honest, I am not the biggest Submariner fan in general. I liked him in this, I did yes. like this comic, but yeah, Submariner is just not one character that I've ever been very interested in learning that I'm much about. honestly not either. Because, I mean, if you think about it, if you date back to original, original Marvel comics, I mean, you've got the original Android Human Torch versus the Submariner, and uh, they they chose to bring one of those people back. And then obviously you have the Invaders too, where you've got uh, Captain America, Bucky Barnes, uh, Namor, Human Torch. Um, they they brought a couple of those people back as well too. I didn't expect Namor to be one of them. He's he's never been one of my favorites. Well, speaking of favorites, what a great segue into our. Last little bit, which is we're going to go through and talk about uh, just overall general things and kind of like a uh, a uh, wrap up section. So uh, first thing on our list is your favorite hero from every single comic. So, uh, Joey, let's start with you. Who is your favorite overall hero? I, I think this is quite unfair for me, and I will refrain from doing this every single week as we read these comics, but I have to take this week Spider-Man as my favorite hero. I mean, we get the introduction to Peter Parker. I already talked about it at length. Spider-Man is my hero of the week. What do you think, Bo? Who's your favorite hero? 
just to be different, because again, huge Spider-Man fan myself. If if I'm gonna go just to defer, and I, I'm gonna tie him with first, just to say he's not in my second place. I loved the Human Torch only because his powers are so cool. And if you think back to his origin, the only reason he was even on that flight is because he said, "My sister's going. I'm going to." <laughs> he had no reason to be there whatsoever. Uh, but I mean, he. I mean, you go back to, and this wasn't included. I thought this was going to be one of our original comics. Um, I believe it was one of the amazing fantasies, or maybe is one of the journey into mysteries. I get those titles confused. There was an original title of the Human Torch, just a solo series. Um, so he was a pretty popular character, and his powers being with that original Human Torch too, the Android version. I like me some Torch. Johnny Storm, he's going to grow up to be best friends with Spider-Man in the end, so I feel like they got to be tied, but I love me some Johnny Storm. I do really like Johnny Storm. uh, One thing I would say about him is his his introduction in Fantastic Four, number one, he could have easily gotten out of his car before blasting off to fly to, to follow the Fantastic Four signal, but he chose to flame on in the driver's seat of his car and torched his car in the process of bolting off. Well, his car was only his second love. He said, the only thing I love more than fixing up hot rods <laughs> and then takes off to show off his powers. So second love, torched it, melted it, gone. But, I mean, I love me some flaming on powers. And I'm going to be different than both of you. And I'm going to say that, although I love Spider-Man as well, uh, I think it fits to a different category that we're going to hit later on. My favorite hero story, and or favorite, favorite hero, just hero itself, was Thor. Because I was a big fan of that, you know, you know, of him finding it and the redemption and, and being being Thor, right? So I, I, I'll say Thor for a favorite hero. So I can't uh, argue with that. I mean, he he took his powers and there was a point where he was just putting on a show for the children in the hospital. Like, what yeah. a good guy. Thor's just dope. Thor's just dope. So uh, the second thing on our, our wrap up is a uh, favorite villain. We will start with uh, Bo this time. Who is your favorite villain? We go in the same order. Favorite villain. Oh, sometimes you gotta spice it up, though. Whoa, the art. No, I'm just kidding. Love me some Kirby. Um, favorite <laughs> villain was. Uh, why don't we get these prompts ahead of time? I gotta go with Doom. He's just iconic. I didn't love him in this, but I know what he grows to be, and I know he's gonna be a huge thing. I mean, you can't beat. Doctor Doom. If you talk top villains of all time, I think Thanos, Doom, Ultron, Loki, and and Doom is just kind of one step above all of that. If you've read Secret War, I mean, he Doom prevails. And, and both these these were provided ahead of time. Joey, favorite villain. I can't argue with with Doctor Doom, and I'm glad Bo picked Doctor Doom so that I can be different and take what was my favorite villain of the week. And I know we already talked about it a bit, but the the freaking Mole Man. I love <laughs> the Mole Man, and the Mole Man will come back. I hope we get to see him again in this reading list. If not, I'm gonna have to find the Mole Man um, arc that I'm thinking of. But there is a great Mole Man arc in, in Marvel, probably in the 70s or 80s or something that I read one time. 
where he basically is going to, like, it's something with the island of Manhattan. I don't know if he's going to, like, blast it off into space or sink it. I, I can't remember. But I love the Mole Man, and I, I had to give him the villain of the week. Um, Dude, you can't dismiss Mole Man and, and Monster Island. Like, the way that he's even, like, he's got the powers of a mole. I think he says, and a bat, because he's been in the dark for so long. And he's like, strike me. <laughs> nah, it just takes that guy down. Like, Mole Man for the win. And I will do it, despite Joey's, uh, Joey's take earlier. Uh, my favorite villain was Submariner. Oh, the, boo. the horny boy. I love, <laughs> I love how they're developing it. And maybe it's because he's the first re- reoccurring villain. But I love, I just love the, my favorite part about MCU is the way they connect and grow. And this was the first piece of that where they're, starting to connect it and grow it and you can start to see that character develop and you can see while he's still a bad guy he's definitely still a horny boy and he just loves him some some sue and he just (laughs) wants it and i'm starting to see that through multiple comics and it makes me makes me happy he's got his the the uh movie thing was genius he's he's funny he's I, i i like i like some mariner a lot I mean, as far as villains go, I can't argue with somebody who makes it in two different issues. So that's that, I mean, true. that was a great choice for week one, baby. Yeah. So, and as far as villains go, this was a heck of a week for Marvel villain introductions. Yeah, I like. We it. didn't even talk about Loki in this section. Just briefly, he, he was not as cool as our Look, Doom and Old Man. I guarantee you, Loki will have another week. So, <laughs> with that, where he'll be in a discussion. I've heard that he has more. a play and some significance <laughs> in the future. <laughs> So next one and last, or next, next, yeah, next one on this one is best overall comic, and I'll start this one because I get to pick. And uh, the best overall comic for me was Amazing Fantasy number fifteen, the Spider Man, and I'm assuming uh, it's going to be the same for everybody. What you got, Joey? I mean, I already answered what my top three favorite comics of the week were, and so I will, yeah, I I'll let Bo answer this. We already know my answer. My answer was Amazing Adult Fantasy number seven. No, I'm <laughs> I feel like that was kind of a, a waste of a read. Yeah, you can't beat Amazing Fantasy number fifteen. The Spider Man, his origin, like that was so cool. I don't, I can't believe that I've never taken the time to go and read that. And that was, I mean, I think top comics of all time. Obviously, if anything's close, close to that, it's Fantastic Four number one. Um, Thor's introduction was cool, but like that's Marvel's original fantasy, like um, original family, and that's just such a significant team. But my top four, and I think I sent this to you guys in the group chat, was like Amazing Fantasy fifteen, Fantastic Four number one, Avengers number one, and then X Men number one. So I mean, Spider Man is Marvel comics, and that was so cool to finally get off my reading list. Yeah, and one of the things about me is as I'm getting into comics, I kind of want to collect a few. And I was like, man, having an original Amazing Fantasy 15 would be crazy cool. So just for fun, I went ahead and looked up the cost of the most, the the, uh, highest sold uh, Amazing Fantasy 15 and what it sold for. And in 2021, there was a mint condition one that sold for $3.6 million. So... Hey, there you go. It's crushed my dreams. Wow. Yeah, Anywho. yeah. Maybe, maybe not gonna pick that one up the next paycheck. Yeah. Anywho, maybe I get a re- a remake of it. 
<laughs> There's got to be like a 3D print knockoff issue somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the uh, final final takeaway. Uh, so the, the final question for the week is, which issue would you like to see in an, the MCU? I'll start with uh, Joey this time. We'll pick on him again. All right. Um, before I answer this question, I did want to give one quick character shout out to a character we didn't talk about at all, which was Alicia, Ben's um, love interest, who is blind, that loves Ben, even though he is the thing. Um, I love Alicia. But anyways, my MCU entry that I will be piloting and, you know, directing, crowdsourcing, everything, <laughs> I'll take care of it all, don't worry. <laughs> Fantastic Four certainly can't afford to do it because I am taking the Fantastic Four issue number nine and I am making an issue about the fan or an issue. I'm making a movie about the Fantastic Four going broke. Reed Richards makes some very terrible investments. He loses all of their money. And so they have to seek out Namor, who is, re you know piloting or directing a movie similar to the one I am, and he needs the Fantastic Four to act in it because it is going to serve as the first official Marvel Cinematic Universe movie within Marvel Cinematic Universe. Oh, you mean like She-Hulk? Oh, it will, it will be even more <laughs> meta than She-Hulk. <laughs> That is my choice. As soon as I started reading it and saw the premise of the Fantastic Four going broke and having to act in a movie as themselves, it immediately got my vote for an MCU film. I love the way that they looked internally and they're like, I've got these powers. This has got to be worth something. <laughs> like, Human Torch was like three seconds away from prostitution. <laughs> That's where they were. But I'm going to, I don't know if I was next on the list, Brady, but I am now. I, I'm not even going to make a movie out of this. I feel like the development of the Fantastic Four has gone so poorly over time because they, much like Fantastic Four issue number one, try to throw too much into issue one. And I'm going to make a eight-episode series from the MCU of the Fantastic Four and really kind of grow that and their powers and their true villains over time. Let's get some Mole Man in there. Let's get some Doom in there. Let's not try to get everything into one issue and then throw the Silver Surfer into number two. I I think that that needs to kind of grow over time. They've tried two different origin stories over our time, a second sequel issue, and they've all... Again, I love them. I love everything Marvel. So I, I can't argue with that. But as far as critics go, they've done pretty terribly. So... I think if you span that over time, just like we read the most Fantastic Four here, you're going to have the best benefit af after that. So six, maybe eight issues. If they'll give me the budget for it, that's where I'm going with this. Fantastic Four. I, I, think, I have uh, one question for you, Bo. In your episode one of this TV show, how quickly do we see the origin of the Fantastic Four. Do we jump into the Fantastic Four as we see them at the start of issue one and just they already have their powers and then we slowly get maybe like a lost vibe where they do flashbacks, you know, throughout the series and we learn that origin or you jump right in and just tell the origin in episode one? 
unlike the other two, because again, I got to try something different. I'm going to do it just like the comics did. I feel like the reason things do so bad from a critic fan base is because people that are huge comic book nerds, they argue about the difference between origin compared to what the MCU does. And I'm going to start off, these people already have their powers. They're already battling. Let's have Reed Richards send that flare up into the air, and these people respond in ridiculous ways. And then I feel like the flashback to the origin is the best way to do it. That can We already know the origin. Everybody knows the Fantastic Four took a ship into space, and they got their powers through cosmic rays. Everybody knows that. So that can happen over brief clips over time. But let's start with the powers and develop into who they're going against and how they're using them. And uh, I am going to uh, take a page out of Joey's book and say, just out of comedic relief, uh, I was going to pick episode nine, Fantastic Four, but I'm going to switch it up since he did that. And I'm going to take Fantastic Four number two with the scrolls and, uh, you know, basically make it make it hilarious how stupid the scrolls are with the stuff that they do kind of like Bo mentioned. And I think it would be a great like Deadpool guardians of the galaxy vibe of like in between comedy and, and superhero movie. So I would go, I would go fantastic Four number two. To bring it into like reality. And, and we know that there's this upcoming secret invasion, like series coming onto Disney plus through the MCU. Do you think, Hey buddy, Let's hear Augie's opinion. <laughs> I want Augie's hero of the week. Do you guys think that there will be a reference to the Fantastic Four in that, much like the MCU started to reference the mutants and some of the other movies and shows? Well, I, I hope so. And I think the thing with... I, you mentioned two renditions of Fantastic Four. Technically, there's three renditions of Fantastic Four because you got John Krasinski as, the, uh, as, as Mr. Fantastic in one of the MCU movies. So... I just think they should do something. That's the fantastic someone. one, Brady. <laughs> I just think they should do something with someone. Put put make the Fantastic Four an actual viable like show or like bring them out and say, oh, different different multiverse and do something with it. And, they and will at some point in the near future. They they got the rights finally. They'll they'll put something out there. I think they're just trying to figure out how to do it without it being yet another fantastic flop. Mm-hmm. Fantastic. We read issues one, two, four, five, and nine of Fantastic Four. Let me ask you guys this: Is John Krasinski your Reed Richards in the MCU? No, I would also say no, but I'd also say I don't care as long as the Fantastic Four that comes out of whatever they decide to do with the MCU is viable. I would agree <laughs> I with that. Want, I want Fantastic Four because I like Fantastic Four and I want it to be halfway decent. I, I absolutely would not agree more. I love John Krasinski. I, if he is Mr. Fantastic going forward, fine. I, I love him. Bring him into the MCU. I did not get Mr. Fantastic vibes from John Krasinski. I don't necessarily view him as Mr. Fantastic. I think it was just a bit to bring him into the movie and that they'll bring in another actor. But if he is Mr. Fantastic, I'm sure he'll do okay with it. That's fair. I mean, he died super early. 
I think it'd be great if they brought Chris Evans back as the Human Torch. <laughs> but, I mean, in the end, the MCU is going to cast whoever they want. I find it hard to hate any of the movies or shows they come out with. Huge Marvel diehead, hard fan. Obviously, that's why we're going back and reading all the way back to the 60s. I'm excited for next week because I know what next week has. We've got some Avengers. We've got some X-Men. I'm really, really excited to read these things that I'm surprised I've never read before. And speaking of excitement, it is now time to get to next week. So cue the outro music. Say your goodbyes. We're moving on to next week. See ya. Later, guys.